Hello, and welcome to Deb and Friends Quest for Connection podcast. I am your anchor host, Deb Bowen, and I'm so delighted and honored that you are joining us this week. We've got a really exciting show planned for you, and we means me and my lovely friend, Dale Rutman. Hi, Dale. Welcome. Hey, how are you doing? I'm happy to be here. Thank you. I'm doing just great, and we're going to talk about one of the phenomenon on the planet that I love the most. We're going to talk today about ley lines. We're going to talk about vortices or vortexes, depending on which uh, grammatical path you follow with the plural of vortex. And we're going to talk a little bit about the earth chakras. So that's our topics, uh, our topic for the day. And we uh, hope you're going to enjoy this time with us. Dale, can I ask you, to start us off by giving us kind of the textbook definition of ley lines. Well, ley lines, um, first of all, let me just say that people get so confused when we talk about ley lines. I've taught classes where people say, okay, is this a ley line? Is this a ley line? Because we talk about latitude and longitude. And we go to school and we see those across the globe. And there are two things. There's something called energy ley lines, and there's something called true ley lines. And true ley lines are man-made grids where they mark the longitude and the latitude. So that's the true ley lines. Energy ley lines, that's what we're going to be talking about today. And these are energy that are just beams of energy that crisscross across our globe. And they're, they're important um, to us and to the ancient people because they um, have spikes in energy and they're important to people and the ancient people because they believe that they could follow those lines and they could enhance energy. They, the lines sometimes would uh, follow rivers. And so they would, build, they would build important monuments, sometimes churches, along those lines. And those lines were energized by... Um, flowing iron in the Earth's surface. They were energized by the magnetic force of the moon and the sun. And um, so they, people have kept up with those and they've become very important to, to us today and to people, ancient people. So that's what the ley lines are, uh, the energy ley lines. So they're wide beams of energy, basically. Here's uh, what Wikipedia says about them. Here's the Wikipedia definition. Uh, Ley lines are hypothetical alignments of a number of places of geographical interest, such as ancient monuments and megaliths. Their existence was suggested in 1921 by the amateur archaeologist Alfred Watkins, whose book, quote, the old straight track, brought the alignments to the attention of the wider public. 
So, so that's really where you're describing here is the, is the idea that um, in 1921, the term ley line became the, the term that we use to describe these almost currents of energy that run around the planet um, and and they're not always straight lines uh, right. you'll see pictures right. of, you know sometimes they're it's almost like they're waves of lines that, right. that encircle the planet right and and it's all about connecting to the the energy and pulse of of the earth if, am i understanding is that right. your understanding too that's okay. that's my understanding and if you could think about um the earth getting acupuncture and there's certain points that have dots on them where they would be acupuncture marks that's kind of how i see it in my mind and if you would take the earth and all of the ley lines it would look like strings that the earth would be almost like a stringed ball um, and it would have a geometric pattern to it. So, which brings us to sacred geometry, which we're going to talk about in another podcast in the near future. Right, uh, but exactly. it has a beautiful pattern. Yes, yes. It's it's meridian points. If you if you want to use the um, the acupuncture language, it's meridian points. It's um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Chi, uh, the life force right. of the planet. That's perfect. Yes, yes, cheese. Okay. Um, right. So it it actually feeds the earth. It feeds our earth. It feeds. I think it feeds our soul because um, I have been to places that were really strong with that energy. You've been to places that are really strong with that energy, and sometimes that energy where two ley lines overlap, that energy can be very very strong, and some people can't tolerate it. It's too much. I have been and, across points of the Michael and Mary lines, and whoo, you can't even—I yeah. couldn't even breathe hardly in that in those yeah. places. You know, yeah. Um, and sometimes they have negative effects for for some people in some areas, and sometimes they have an extremely positive effect. So yeah, it can be tricky true. like that. True. And, and, you know, there are natural places on the planet where um, the, the ley line, that the ley lines follow uh, from point to point to point. And places like mounds and long barrows, carns, uh, dolmens, standing stones, stone circles, hinges, um, mm-hmm. water places, moats, ponds, springs, fords, wells. There's a whole go off on a whole tangent of ley lines and connections to sacred wells, uh, to certain castles, to certain churches, to certain forts. Um, you can you can trace some of these lines. Probably one of the most famous, and we'll talk more about this in a little while, are the Michael and Mary lines across across England and France. And why? And, and I guess one of my questions, and I don't know that we know the answer to this question is how did those ancient folks know where those lines were? Some, I think it was dowsing probably helped with some of that. But how did they know, and how did they know to build um, churches or hinges or, or whatever on those and at those particular places where geometrically 
they are in in a perfect um, rhythm with the, with a ley line. I'm just mesmerized by that. Well, the only answer I can come up with, and I don't and don't believe this anyone out there that <laughs> doesn't believe this, but you know, a lot of anomalies happen with the ley lines. And for example, um, the Earth's frequency is at 7.8 hertz. And in doing some research, I found that in some of the ley lines where they cross, you could get the Earth's frequency could just jump up to 200 to 300 hertz. And that's a very high frequency. And when a frequency like that happens, then a lot of anomalies can take place in that, uh, and this is strictly metaphysical speaking, um, lines get wavy, you can see into other dimensions, other dimensions can see you, um, you um, start to become holographic, you become psychic, You um, many things can happen. My interpretation of that, which is not science at all, would be that if people experienced that or even a part of that or a fraction of that, it may have told them something here is happening that's different. And, you know, you have experienced um, being on a ley line. I'm not sure if they were crossed or not, but that probably euphoria, you've experienced higher frequency, buzzing, um what you know whatever experience you knew it was different and so those people i'm thinking must have said something has to go here i want to remember the spot and so they built churches they built put monuments they built you know easter island they built those big statues with the big heads so they made those points a point of reverence, and so they made them sacred. That's my take on it. Um, I don't know how you feel about that, because you've actually experienced a lot of that with your travels. Well, I have. And, um, you know, some of it, I think, has to do with astro- uh, astronomical alignment. I mm-hmm. think that, um, you know, astronomy helps uh, helped us to figure out uh, let me rephrase this. I think astronomy helped the ancient folks to figure out how to place those monuments, how to connect that earth energy with sky energy. For example, uh, the St. Michael line runs across south, um, southern England on, um, and is aligned exactly with the path of the sun on the eighth day of May, which is the Feast of St. Michael in the Catholic Church. So the St. Michael line runs across England in certain important locations uh, in a straight line on that particular day. That's when the ley line is most prevalent. And um, one of those places that um, the St. Michael line crosses is through Glastonbury. And of course, the Glastonbury tour 
what's left, what's stuck, what's on the top of the tour, of on that hill, is the tower from St. Michael's Church that was destroyed in a, an earthquake in the 1200s, and it oh. runs down uh, from the hillside of the tour and through Glastonbury Abbey, and I was and, and through Stonehenge. It comes through Stonehenge and then uh, through Glastonbury, and I was standing. At the king at the um, high altar and the ruins of Glastonbury Abbey with my pendulum and my pendulum was just vibrating in my hand now my pendulum and I have been together for a very long time we communicate very well together and I had never experienced with my pendulum what I experienced that day where it just was still it didn't Spin. It didn't move back and forth. It didn't do anything a pendulum normally does, except it vibrated in my hand. It did wow. the same thing. Yeah, it did the same thing standing over what's called the Kingstone in the center of Stonehenge. And what I learned when I was consulting with some people back in Glastonbury about those two experiences was that that's what happens when you are so connected to the energy of a ley line is that all you can do is is vibrate so my pendulum and I were standing there vibrating on the Michael line and and it you know it's Glastonbury toward um and well I go go ahead that's all that's all well um when I was doing some of the research I got so I just got so involved in this and um I had read that from South Ireland to Israel, there's a straight line that connects several landforms and that when you look at those landforms connected, it bears the name Michael. Say that again. And <laughs> from <laughs> South Ireland, the ley line, from South Ireland to Israel, there's a straight line that connects several landforms. And when you look at it, the, the way that's connected, it, it says the name Michael. Wow. And you're just wow. talking about that. You're just now talking about that. Yeah. How about that um, for, for synchronicity? Isn't that interesting? Wow, mm-hmm. and but you know, you know, I mean, we're talking here about about Europe and and uh, and Israel, but ley lines, of course, encircle the planet. I mean, it's true mm-hmm. in um, you know the Aboriginal people of Australia um, speak of what's called a passage, which is the mm-hmm. dream time uh, where they right. connect to the energies of the earth. The Incas talked about spirit lines in their uh, temples. And running, running from temple to temple, um, you see that in some of those um, uh, in the pyramids. I mean, you can connect ley lines and pyramids. You can certainly connect them here in the United States with ley lines with uh, Sedona and Mount Shasta and and some of those places, um, right. on some of the reservations. I mean, they're just it's amazing. To me. It's like it's like every culture has their own name for them. Yes, they you yes. know they name them and they embrace them and they yeah. it, and they honor them 
which I think is Asian is culture, the Chinese, the Chinese folks and the dragon. They, they, they talk of it as a dragon. They speak of that energy <laughs> as a dragon. So I, know. I do too. And I guess one of the things, and that's one of the things for me that, that helps me with the validity, at least from a spiritual perspective, of looking at this notion of spiritual energy lines is that it is, there is a common thread among so many different cultures. Yes, there is. There is. And that we're all wanting the same thing, really. We we want to believe in something greater than us, you know. We're, we're wanting to believe that we can connect in a big way and that we are connected to something in a big way. And I think that's really common. I think that's basically all we want you know, is to know that we are part of that. We're part of the whole, you know. We're not, a, a, you know, we're not outside the whole of, of what all that is. We're part of it. True. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think that reminds us, you know. And, you know, some cool things happen when we're around there. I know that, you know, um, <clears throat> when I was in Sedona, I had some wonderful things, you know, happen to me. I had, I was, I was hearing uh, the, um, I was hearing chanting from the mountains. I could hear that. And I was like, can, can you, the people I was with, I was like, can you hear that? And they were like, I can't hear that. But I could hear it so loud. It was so loud in my ear. And I didn't know what the chanting meant because it wasn't in English. And I wrote it phonetically. And when I wrote it phonetically, um, one of the people that I was with researched it and came back and said um, what this meant was, uh, we are home, we are home, we are home. I didn't know that's what I was hearing. But it it was amazing to me that that energy was so heightened up you know, that I could hear that, and it could be translated. So when you experience things like that, you know, it, it made me feel connected to the natives there, you know, even though they weren't there in body, they were there in spirit. Right. And so it makes you feel like you are part of that. And to me, that was so sacred. It, it, absolutely. <laughs> Tell us, um, you and I were talking in preparation for recording this show about um, NASA and NASA's uh, stuff with the poles. So talk about that. Yeah. Well, one thing is, you know, I I teach a class about, you know, kind of where we are today and stuff like that and what's been happening. So, um, you know, December 21st, 2012 is when we moved into a new uh, constellation. We left the constellation of Pisces and we moved in. Now we're into the constellation of Aquarius. And what that means is that we're now now closer to the sun, closer to the central sun. We're in the photon belt, which means that a lot of light particles are coming toward the earth. 
when that happened, it the earth tilted, and it's a little wobbly now. It's tilted off its axis. And so when that happens, because of the electromagnetic um, uh, energy being so strong now, um, it has pulled the earth, um, the grid lines off from what they were. And what was happening was um, planes were not being, it was messing with the planes navigational system. Birds were, um, a lot of birds were off their navigational systems. They were not flying where they would normally fly for the winter, summer. And so it was to the point where um, they had to, it was causing the magnetic fields to fluctuate, especially for uh, pilots, airline pilots. And so um, NASA actually had to redraw the navigational chart for avi aviators. And so they actually did that. And you can go in uh, online and you can Google uh, redrawn navigational charts. And you can read the articles from NASA where they had to redraw those. So this is not metaphysical. This is actually science that actually happened. So the Earth's grids are off right now. And that's why sometimes that you think you might be in a place that you haven't heard before was maybe a ley line or a ley line cross or something like that. And you might start feeling not very well or you might feel different. And it could be that you just happen to hit one of those spots where you've got the ley lines crossed and you've got an influx of frequency. So just, you know, letting you know that that has happened and we're going to be in this tilt for a long time, the rest of our lifetime, and the rest of our children's lifetime, and on for a while. So just know that, that if, you, um, if you're hiking, if you're traveling, if you're someplace that you don't feel quite right, you're just, just, it could be that. It could be that. And, and this energy is very strong right now. So. Um, Something interesting, but I wanted to mention that. Just wanted to mention that. And I encourage anybody to look this up and read about it. It's very, it's very fascinating. So, so let me ask you this question, and, then, and, and we'll talk about this, and then we'll take a break and come back and move on. But um, I have for many years used a Boy Scout compass. I mean, an old-fashioned plastic Boy Scout compass that was given to me 40 years ago. Um, and it lives in the same bag uh, with it, with my smudging equipment. And uh, I, uh, so if I'm called in to, if I'm, I'm doing a ritual, for example, someplace, uh, and it's in a place I'm not familiar with and I need to know exactly where the four directions are, I pull out my Boy Scout compass and I use it. When I do paranormal investigations, I carry my compass with me because it spins like mad when I'm in the room with a spirit. So my compass and I are good friends, and we've worked together mm -hmm. now, like I said, for more than 40 years. And recently, when I have pulled that compass out to use it, the directions are off. 
Mm-hmm. Now, I'm an old beach girl, and mm-hmm. you give me just about any place on the planet, let me look at the sun, and I can tell you, if I can figure out where the Atlantic Ocean is, I can find east, and therefore I can find the other directions, right? I mean, I can just do that. That's I'm, I, I have a good sense of direction. I, I know where east is most days. And I know that I can stand at, in, at my house where I know where east is, and my compass says it's west. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. I'm thinking, okay, is my compass suddenly broken? I, I don't know, maybe. But but I, I know that, that something's off with the magnetic field on this planet. Right. I it just, I just believe that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't use a compass anymore. Um, you know, a magnetometer, uh, magnet, uh, magnet, magnet, am I saying that right? Mag. Magnometer, <laughs> yes, magnometer. That's what they're using now, and they're using using that even on the ocean floor, uh, because that that will follow the um, the energy line, um, and it you need to well a, a dowsing. You could douse, or you could use your um, your uh, your pendulum. Yes. Um, right. But I wouldn't use a compass, no, uh, because you know, even before the ley lines were moved, you know, people that crossed over the Devil's Triangle or the Bermuda Triangle or whatever you want to call it, their um, compasses just went crazy. You know, they were so close to those to those energy lines um, that it just all their instruments just went haywire. So. Um, Anymore, I probably wouldn't use that, but you could use the dowsing rods. You could use those. Or my pendulum. Yeah. I know. Mm-hmm. That's a, that was a conversation that I'm off topic here for just a second, but Joel and I had a conversation a while back about, you know, for a long time, like in the 60s and 70s and 80s, there was something happening in the Bermuda Triangle all the time. And it's been mm-hmm. real quiet in the Bermuda Triangle now for some years. So I went and did some research on that, just trying to figure out. How come nobody's been lost in the Bermuda Triangle lately? And of course, <laughs> really, I mean, I'm serious. And and there's some interesting theories about about why that is. But uh, I mean, that's more food for thought, you know. As you think about all the theories that were expounded about what was happening with the Bermuda Triangle and energy and you know vortexes and all that kind of stuff, and now what, you know? So it's, so please it's tell me that people aren't being lost and they're not reporting it, are being lost and they're not reporting it. That's I didn't see any either. evidence of that. No, okay, I good. did not see any evidence of that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so just wild stuff here, isn't it? Okay, so let's take a break here and then we'll talk about uh, vortexes and uh, chakra points on the, on the planet here. Folks, uh, we're here at the halfway point. And you are listening to Deb and Friends Quest for Connection podcast. I am your anchor host, Deb Bowen, and I am joined by Dale Rutman, who is a psychic medium and a past life regressionist and a psychopomp and many other things. So uh, I'm just so excited to, to be having this conversation with Dale. She and I can talk about this stuff on air and off air for, as my grandma would say, till the cows come home. We just, we just love having this conversation. Um, for sure. You can connect with us with Deb and Friends Quest for Connection in many different ways. 
You can connect with us on iTunes, on Blog Talk Radio, on YouTube, although we need to upload and uh, some of our more recent episodes, Facebook, and Instagram. So, uh, and you can email us. We're very happy to have conversation with you on email as well. And we so appreciate uh, your comments and feedback. That helps folks find us on iTunes and on Blog Talk. I love hearing from you on our Facebook posts. So, thank you for joining us there as well. We do a lot of different things uh, among the group of us who, who actually run this podcast uh, in terms of spiritual work and psychic work. And we come from different places, not only in America, but other countries and different worldviews and world beliefs, which makes for interesting conversation, I think, among us all. Dale, and you want to, have you got some things coming up uh, later in November or the first of the year that you want to, to share with us? Right. The first of the year, I'm going to be doing a four-part um, It'll be a class broken into four parts, and I'll be talking about things like this. I'll be talking about um, what's going on in, in the world right now, why we're seeing so many hurricanes, tornadoes, why the earth is doing what she's doing, as well as what will be going on while we're in this new constellation that we're in. Very fascinating, and I'll be talking about why we feel the way we do, why we have these aches and pains and things that just don't seem to heal. So um, just email me at dalerutt1 at gmail.com if you're interested in the classes, and I will give you information. Um, I will be doing some readings in November. Uh, Same email address, dalerutt1 at gmail.com. So just email me and... We will work out some time that's convenient and go from there. Cool. Uh, And I will be putting that email address on our Facebook page so you can see it in writing. It's D-A-L-E-R-U-T, the number one, at gmail.com. But I'll put that on our Facebook page so you can see it and send Dale an email as as well. Um, That sounds like a fascinating class, Dale. I would like to take it, actually. Um, Yeah. Good. So uh, I have some really exciting new things coming up. Uh, I am getting ready to revamp the way I teach um, my classes. I'm getting ready to put together a, uh, a, a what I think will be an exciting package of courses for folks, uh, modules, kind of almost like a curriculum of, well, it is a curriculum, of, of courses that move in what is, in my mind at least, a progression of information that I'm going to be rolling out in January. Uh, I will be sending out a newsletter, so uh, if you'd like to be on my newsletter uh, mailing list, please send me an email uh, at friends uh, at gmail.com and would love to hear from you about that. And I'm also going to be offering um, my intro to tarot course coming up soon and then my advanced tarot course and then I am offering a new tarot mentoring program. So those are some great new things that I've got in the works that are coming up that I hope 
uh, will resonate for folks. So join us. We'd love to. We'd love to hear from you. Love to have you join us. My website is debbowen.com. And the information that I've just given you will soon be up and running on that website as well. So thank you all so much for that. Anything else from you, Dale, here at the halfway point? I, I think that's probably it for the moment. Um, okay. I think we're probably good. Okay. All right. So um, let's talk about the vortex. I'm still not clear on plural um, I've I've read people articles on uh, the the internet where some folks get kind of like oh no you can't say vortices although that's grammatically what I think uh, it's vortexes so I, who knows but let's talk about the vortex concept how about that let's do that yes okay <laughs> okay so. You, the definition, or my understanding of the vortices or vortexes, um, is when you get like equal pressure, you know, on all sides. Um, and when you when you get that, um, and it it you start to shield gravity, and it starts to move up. Now that is, in my mind, a simple version, although. You usually think about it as being fluid. Something fluid is uh, revolving around. Um, let me just read what Wikipedia says. So, in fluid dynamics, the vortex is a region in a fluid which the flow revolves around an axis line, which may be straight or curved. Vortices form in stirred fluids and may be observed in smoke rings, whirlpools, and in the wake of a boat, and the winds surrounding a tropical cyclone, tornado, or dust devil. So that's kind of how we mostly see it. But when you think about our bodies, you can think of a vortex in a way that we've got cells and atoms and everything. We're all just a bunch of cells put together. And to me, and, and the cells are moving, that could be sort of a vortex too, although it's not all fluid, but it's it's all put together. I sort of see that in my mind's eye too. I don't know if that's how you see it or not, but what do you think, Deb? I get, you know, I read those same definitions that you just talked about, and, and I don't think of, of a vortex as having much to do with water in the same way that I heard the word fluid in that. I, I see hurricanes. Okay. That's what, that's what I see when I see a vortex uh, with right. some kind of center point, and, and it's a, almost a centrifugal force of rotation. That's what I okay. see when I think of a vortex. Or, and those trees that are just twisted out in Sedona. That's what oh, I think yeah. of. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Well, what do you think about, like, um, you know, when you, there's some weird things that happen. And sometimes, like, air vortexes will happen. Um, And there's some weird stories out there. You know, if you want to get on the lunatic fringe a little bit, you know, there's some weird stories out there about, um, you know, air vortexes 
how um, it starts like like it'll start on like start on Earth. It'll start like air will start moving, and the air starts capturing like materials or living organisms, and then it rises. Now I know you start to think about tornadoes, but um, there's a the fish story, you know. Uh, in the Natural History magazine in 1921, they posted a story in there about um, all these fish started falling out of the sky. And people were like, what in the world? What had happened was a vortex of air had started that picked these fish up and held those fish for a long time. And then when the um, the vortex lost momentum, it dropped all the fish. But it dropped all the fish nowhere near any water. And people were freaking out because they were like, what is going on here? Because they didn't understand the whole vortex um, uh, they didn't understand the whole vortex thing. So, what do you think about something like that? Well, yeah, I guess because uh, again, I'm back to hurricanes. I mean, we mm-hmm. we just experienced a hurricane where where I live, and there were soda bottles on our beach strand from Haiti that really? had gotten dropped out of the sky. Oh yeah, from the hurricane. So that doesn't sound too weird to me. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of times we don't ever think, but you know what? We don't ever think about that, too. You know, we think about whirlpools. Sometimes we think about, you know, um, like maybe we think think about uh, water spouts or we think about whirlpools or we think about, you know, um, other things like that, like I said, tornadoes. But sometimes there can be just um, small vortexes of just air. Um, and it can suck something up and move it and maintain it. And something that happened to me that I, it occurred to me when we were, I was thinking about this show, was um, I had uh, investigated a house with a, a lady, um, and she, uh, the couple had gotten a chair from their aunt. And the chair kept dropping pennies out from underneath the, the seat of the chair. And there were no pennies in the chair. And it didn't do it all the time, but every now and then it would. And they were getting freaked out because they thought the chair was haunted. Yeah. And then the chair didn't, I mean, the chair kind of stopped after a while, but they didn't know what to do. And then I was thinking, when I was thinking about vortexes, I was thinking, I wonder if somehow a vortex got got started and the, those pennies just fell from somewhere. But I don't, I don't know. Made me think about that. But there are other stories about, you know, fish falling uh, in India, uh, 300 miles from any water, out of the sky, you know, things like that. So um, it, it kind of gets off on the lunatic fringe sometimes. How vortexes can take something up in the sky, and um, and then just drop it long time later. Also, there was a guy who had these cannonballs fall in his bedroom 
and he was trying to catch him, and he couldn't catch him. His hand was going through him. And because it had happened in the past, it was like almost happening in another dimension. He couldn't he couldn't touch him because they weren't in his same dimension that he was in. So that takes it out a little further too. But it I know sure I'm getting crazy. I'm thinking <laughs> I'm getting crazy with vortexes. So we could reel it in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess for me, what you know, what what's fascinating to me is energy patterns because in, in yeah. many ways that's really what this show is about this week is, is sure. patterns and and movement of of energy and i think about um <laughs> those trees in sedona which is the one i know the most about and and you'll see a tree that it looks like you know how you take a a washcloth and and wring the water out of it and so it the cloth is all twisted. That's here's a tree that looks like somebody's done that to it, and yet there's a tree two feet away that's growing perfectly normally. What causes yeah. that? Why does that happen? I mean, and, and you've been there and you've experienced that. So um, thoughts about that from you? Well, there's just the energy there, especially because of all the ley lines and the um, the crossover of energy. You know the rocks have so much energy, and the you know the crystals. It's so heightened up that if any energy got swirled at all, something I believe would be affected. And if it got heightened up and swirled, uh, it would definitely cause a big effect. You know, and one thing I learned when I went there was not everybody can live there. People move there. And a lot of them have to move away because they just that. can't take the energy. Yeah. So, um, so it's definitely an energy pattern there that affects a lot of things. Maybe that tree was just over affected, you know, by some energy pattern or some event that happened that turned that tree around and around. Isn't that amazing. So it's, it's, yeah, it's I mean, it's proof of energy patterns do affect us. Absolutely true. And you know, one of those you talk about how some people can do okay in Sedona and and, and other people cannot. And and I said, and I I know my the place where I live is is not one of those primary energy centers, but I certainly think it's it's there's a lot of energy stuff that goes on where where I live and. And for some people, this area is heaven on earth, and for other people, it is totally toxic. And, you know, and I think part of that has to do with uh, being close to the ocean. I think I think that's you know piece of it. I'm not I'm not real sure about that, but there are some interesting theories about um, those energy centers on Earth that correspond to our chakra system, and. you know, and I'm just going to do a, a brief overview of this with your with your help, uh, just because we're not going to have a whole lot of time to talk about it. But I think that um, a show later on talking about the chakras in our bodies and and coming back to this might be uh, something that folks might want to to learn more about because it's fascinating to me. I mean, I have accepted uh, for years and years and years, the concept of those primary energy centers 
in my body, the, the seven energy centers, knowing that there are others. I mean, we have chakras all over our bodies, but um, it's a spinning wheel. It's, the, it's what the word means in Sanskrit. But we have those energy places on the planet as well that correspond to, um, to, to those seven primary energy centers plus two more. And so we go from seven to nine, which is a, we're back to numerology and sacred geometry again. And those two additional ones are the North and South Pole, um, the kind of anchor, the chakra system on the planet. So just something to think about that. But um, according to some theorists, uh, our root chakra is Mount Shasta, California. And our root chakra, we remember, is about home and safety and security. It's the base of our energy system. And, um, right, uh, so we talk about there's this great uprising of energy from uh, Mount Shasta that gives us support uh, as a planet. And then our sacral chakra is uh, Lake Tikka. I can always, I always mess up this pronouncing this. Ticacaca in Bolivia and Peru, um, mm-hmm. that that is our second chakra. And that, of course, is our sacral chakra. It's connected to creativity, uh, to procreation and creation, um, which I find just fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Our solar plexus chakra, which is our seat of our intuition, it corresponds to uh, Yuluru and Kata Tujuka. I'm not sure I'm saying that right. It's T-J-U-T-A in Australia, which are rock mm-hmm. structures. These amazing, uh, it's Ayers Rock is the English uh, way of saying it, uh, and the Oglas in Australia's Northern Territory. And those are the center of our solar plexus system. They represent um, the umbilical cord, of, of our solar system, that which um, gives us energy, gives us um, our knowledge of being. Mm-hmm. Then our heart chakra is the Glastonbury Tor. And that makes sense to me. <laughs> you know, when, yeah. when I was researching this and, and, and got to this, and part of that, of course, is because that place is so powerful and sacred to, to me. And, and to Susan, I have a lovely picture of me and Susan sitting at the base of, um, of the Michael Tower on Glastonbury Tor. And, and it is a heart place. It is the heartbeat of the mother. You can feel it. And interestingly, we think of that tour as being a tall hill, and it is. But when you look at an aerial view of it, it is shaped like a uterus. It's not round. Uh, it's, wow. it's uterine in its shape. And there is embedded into the hillside uh, a labyrinth, uh, a seven-circuit labyrinth. And nobody knows quite how that got there. So fascinating. My goodness. Wow, it is. Our, I know. Our throat chakra are the Great Pyramids of Giza and Mount Sinai the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. <clears throat> so, and of course our throat chakra is about speaking our truth. It is about um, sharing information and, and a way of disseminating knowledge 
And if you can think about those three places in that way, it, again, that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? It does. It really does. Mm-hmm. Um, our brow chakra, uh, also called the third eye chakra, um, is uh, what we call the um, eon activation center. And here's where we find crop circles and uh, borders of, sac- of countries where there are, is conflict and there needs to be a focus and a need for clarity. Uh, for example, the triple borders of Iran, Afghanistan, and Pakistan. So mm-hmm. isn't that interesting? Um, that is very interesting. Uh-huh. Absolutely. This is connected with will and personal power, and so there's a need to transmute that into universal power and communication. Then our crown chakra is in Tibet, at Kailish, Tibet. And this, of course, is the crown of the earth, uh, of course, in the Himalayas, so it's up high. And, of course, it is also related to... um, our connection to to the stars and to the earth through um, solar flares and um, what we think of in, in the in our hemisphere the of the uh, northern lights. Wow, so that's a real quick rundown in of Tibet. Yeah, wouldn't it be fun to start in Tibet and just go all through every country that corresponds with all the chakras? Wouldn't that be, that, wouldn't oh. that be a cool trip? Woo, would it not? <laughs> yes. An expensive trip, but a fun trip. It would be fascinating to be able to do this. Yeah. And so I just really wanted to give folks a taste of, of that concept and to invite you to do some research and homework on it. Certainly there are um, there's information that refutes what, what we've talked about today, and that's fun and cool and interesting to think about. Um, And, and then we're going to do some. A, deep. A, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say there is a lot of information, and it's and it's interesting and cool reading. It's not it's not all science. I mean, it's just. I mean, you could just go on and on and on, and you can take it um, in different directions. You don't have to go as far out as I've gone out with it, because you know I'm going to seek out the metaphysical every time. But there is some really good interesting reading and research out there. So encourage everybody to do that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and make your own make your own decisions about this. And some people may, may think it's hooey and other people may say, you know, I have experienced this. I I get this at some internal, deep seated level. I I understand it. I get it. And and what does it matter? I think that's one of the um, questions that I always try to ask myself as we put together the idea for a topic for, for this podcast is why does this stuff matter? And, and I always come back to that it matters for us being connected to ourselves as a mind-body spirit in need of a balance of that within ourselves, a connection to ourselves. And it also connects us to the larger world of, of beings around us and the planet itself 
in a way of at least entertaining the notion of something that may be new to you or in some way really resonates for you. So so that's why these topics. Yeah. For me at least. Yeah. And for me too. Yeah. I, I like that. Me too. Any parting words from you, Dale? Well, I just say that, you know, in in doing these shows and some of these topics, I, I love what you choose. And I hope that it does make us all feel connected. I think that, you know, and, and connected to the earth, too. You know, we all have our our own energy and meridians within our bodies, and the earth has her energy meridians. And um, I, I think that that gives us all an idea of just how we are connected. So I just encourage everybody to just go check it out and, and see how you feel about it. Just right. see how you feel about it. Me too. And we'd love to hear your thoughts. So shoot us an, an email or uh, contact us on Facebook. Uh, there will be uh, a, a couple of posts on Facebook uh, reminding you of, of this show and some information that um, might make sense to you uh, and you might want to follow up. There will be some book suggestions from us that you might enjoy. That's, uh, that's a new feature that we just added onto our Facebook page is a book of the day suggestion. Uh, so we'll be talking about some of those and, and adding those to the list as we move along. We thank you so much for being a part of Deb and Friends Quest for Connection family. And we hope that until we're back with you again next week, that you keep questing. Take care, everyone. Stay connected. Bye-bye.